Hello and welcome back to the Boys in Red and White podcast. It's been a long time since we recorded an episode and it feels quite slightly odd to be doing another one now because uh, I'll be honest, I, I had reservations about whether that we would return to that and we'll get on to why that is in a second. But as always, I'm joined by my best friend, Andre Grayson. I it was good to say this again. Hello, Mr. Dow. Hello, Mr. Grayson. And I think uh, probably as a starting point to our uh, our avid listeners, we should explain why why we have had this absence. And I think uh, a big part of it, and you touched on it when we were talking the other day, is that the conversations that we have been having on air up to this season, we've been having in the grounds. And obviously, I've been I've been seeing you pretty well, pretty much every game. I've been seeing you home and away. So. It just hasn't felt the need to do it as much. Um, what are your thoughts? Yeah, that's why. I mean, in lockdown, this was amazing to do and a chance to to have those pub-like conversations. But we have, not only have we um, been to every game, we've either sat together during every game and had a chance to moan live or celebrate live. Um, and it's just, it's just um, we'd be repeating the conversations, but... We we felt, didn't we? We just uh, after the Everton game, I just needed to talk to you because <laughs> we didn't. I didn't go to that one, so I felt <laughs> we got to do a podcast to make up for it. And also, I think we need to give a shout out that we were put under a bit of pressure from Spain um, <laughs> and uh, a chap Declan who who claimed to miss us. <laughs> uh, so really, this is for him the Dec- the Declan special. We'll call it the Declan special because uh, I, I'm not I'm not sure many people miss our ramblings, Andre, but uh, at least one person does. Um, include our parents in that, and then we've got a whole host of people that are missing us. So that's five. <laughs> but yeah, this this one's for you, Declan. <laughs> Very cute. But what we're going to do, what we're going to do is we're going to return to something that we've not done in a long time. Because even when we have been doing the podcast, um, we've inevitably had too much to talk about. So we've just decided to to park it. But we're going to return to our commentary quiz that, uh, well, we'll we'll find out from Declan if he likes it or not. Because if he complains (laughs) about this episode, then obviously it's down to the commentary quiz. (laughs) Very good. Very good. Well, I insist... Let me go first, because okay. you set a standard that I can then drop off from. Um... <laughs> so just to go over for any, any new listeners, um, this is a quiz where each of us selects a piece of commentary and the other person has to try and guess the goal that we are talking about based on that commentary. And we've had some ridiculous ones in the past. And I, 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 I think I, I think have I got all of them so far, or was there you one that I saw? One, there's a lot of pressure on you. I mean, I'm, there's I'm a lot of pressure, which is why when you suggested today that we were going to do it, I was slightly hesitant. I'll be honest. Yeah, you'll definitely get mine. That, if you why do you do this? In the eye for Julio Baptista at Anfield in a in a League Cup game, you're you're going to get this. Okay, are you ready? All right, I, I think so. Well, I'm going to see if you can get it off just the first bit. Well, they are behind now. No, is it a, a, dramatic... a dramatic double from the Dutchman? You're in, you're a joke. <laughs> that is Robin Van Persie scoring his second at Stamford Bridge. Was that oh eight oh nine? Um, yes, and and it, it, it yes, my God, yeah, that is I'm, mad. I'm a that big, a big. I'm a big fan of the first uh, goal from that game as well, just because so it's so offside. far offside. <laughs> <laughs> well, they are behind now. A dramatic double from the Dutchman. 
wow, don't you just love this game? I don't know why Andy Gray is from Yorkshire. Um, <laughs> that was, you're pretty good at doing impressions, and that was atrocious. That really was, that really was. But there you go. Very good, Tom. I, I, and just to talk about that game, um, ever so ever so briefly, I said to you before we started recording, I, I, I grabbed these from when a little clip might appear in the build-up to a game or something, and I, I write them all down in case we do this again. And I have to say, that goal and beating Chelsea at that time with the team we had was one of my favourite wins I can remember. You know, I... I I remember um, being in Spain. I did a knee slide on a tiled floor when that went in. I, <laughs> I, I loved that game so much because we actually played all right and they had their best team out. And it was just at the time where they just started. It just started to feel that they were going to be so dominant and we were never going to keep in touch with them. But for that one uh, Sunday afternoon, we did after a Johan Juru own goal. Yeah, and that was a game that uh, there's a little story from for me as well. Actually, I'm not quite as uh, elaborate and fantastic as a knee sliding on a uh, on tiled flooring, but uh, I watched that in a student union bar at Brunel University because I went there the the year before I went to Brighton and then dropped out because I didn't didn't quite work out for me. But if I hadn't have dropped out, I would have never met you. So. Mm. There you go. That's that's uh, fantastic. But I I remember it. I remember watching that with my then girlfriend, who was uh, raging that I was celebrating after winning a game with a goal that was that far offside. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yeah, but they gave it. And she was like, yeah, yeah but you didn't win fairly. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, swear warning's gone. Um, yeah, I think, explicit I think... content. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Um... Yeah, I mean, I think that actually makes it sweeter. I mean, we would never stand now. But then their goal the year before would never have stood. So, no, yeah. sorry. No, no, there was an RVP one or on Rhea oh. that got ruled out ridiculously. There was, it was at Highbury. Um, yeah. Three the last season at High, uh, Last season at Highbury, I think there was one as well. Yeah, yeah. So, karma. Okay, karma. right. Karma. Let's do it. <sighs> right. Are you ready? Yeah. He wants to get it onto his left foot and do that. Okay. Do you want the next line? Uh, uh, is it Van Persie? No, it's not. Really? Okay. Yeah, carry on. That's what the Arsenal fans have been waiting for. It's not Liam Brady, is it? <laughs> no, no, it's not. <laughs> that would be that. Uh, to be fair, that would be, that would be ridiculous. If I went, if I went for that, that would be very. No, I thought it might be for a second. You know, before the game, they play the the montage. Yeah. Oh, what a goal by Brady! Well, against um, what in the five 0 at Tottenham? Yes, I thought you might have done the the prelude to that moment. Um, oh, that that would have been good. <laughs> <laughs> he want to get it onto his left foot here. Like that. I think the, the big clue is that's what the Arsenal fans have been waiting for. Oh, is it Ozil? No. No. Yeah. Left foot. I mean, we're waiting for a lot of things a lot of the time. I can give um, you a clue. 
Yeah, is it Giroud? I'm just going no. through some left-footed players. Podolski? <laughs> no. I'll give you a clue. Um, we were both at the game, hmm. and it was away from the Emirates. Hmm. I mean, that doesn't really narrow it down that much. The player yeah. in question currently plays for us. Saka? No. Who on earth wants to get Xhaka? No. Laka? <laughs> <laughs> I'm having so much fun here. This is this is this is the best thing that's happened for a long time. No. <laughs> TNE? <laughs> no. Do you want another clue? Yeah, I'm gonna need another clue. Uh, it was scored by our all-time record signing. <laughs> Pepe? Yes. Okay. What's the Arsenal fans been waiting for? I mean, is it his first goal? It isn't. And uh, that's it's a misleading clue, to be fair. I mean, was it was it against Brighton? No, it was before that. Very similar goal, though. I don't know. Remember, we were both there. <laughs> I can't picture any goals he has scored because he hasn't played for us for so bloody long. Um, <laughs> Which is partly the reason why I used this as an example because I thought it would be a, a, quite a nice preamble to, no, you're gonna to, have to talking tell me. about the player. I can't get this at all. His goal that puts 2-1 up at West Ham. Oh. Oh, that was great. That was great. And it was a game that we were both at, but we didn't sit together or see each other um, prior or after the game. No, so, no. slightly bizarre. And I, I actually went with my dad. So, Very it was nice. uh, an interesting one. But um, mm. Well, that was yes. great. Well, well done. Well, we've just blown a load of time while I name left-footed players who play for Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> Very good, Tom. As always, you um, you uh, you uh, outdo me. You outdo me, right? I feel like well, I feel like the pressure's off here because uh, that was what I was worried about going to this podcast. I wouldn't get your one, and you the go. fact I got your one within the first clue, I'm I'm very happy. I'm very happy. You, you can go and play your natural game now. Um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, um, well, but yeah, I think I think talking. <laughs> I think talking about Pepe just briefly. I think that's quite a nice. Uh, I, I, or should we save that for later in the podcast? I think that's probably a I good think one we're to say. Come to him. I, I think he will come up in uh, in business. But um, yeah, now that we've we've done our commentary quiz, which hopefully Declan enjoyed, um, we we are going to obviously have to start with the past two games because they're two games which, in hindsight, when we were when we saw this run of fixtures coming up, we we both said that it was going to be probably season defining. And we started that run of fixtures. Obviously, we had the um, the game against Newcastle, which kind of set us up for those two games, which we, we looked at that as, as one we had to win and we did win. But going into the two away ones, we sort of jumped around about what we'd expect from those games. Now, obviously, in an ideal world, you want to get six points and two wins. But I don't think any Arsenal fan was realistically thinking we were going to do that. So I sort of said four points would be fantastic. If you can avoid being beaten by Man United, that would be great. Um, and then it, even if you got three points from those games, that's probably about right. 
but we've ended up with zero points and two defeats. And it's been wholly depressing. Um, and going into those two games were two two trips up north, which I wasn't looking forward to. And scheduling-wise, they were an absolute nightmare in terms of organising how to get there and when to get there and if we could actually get to them. Um, and then we've uh, come away with nothing. So, And on both mm. occasions, I've got home at 4am. So that's uh, <laughs> that's just a, a lot. Lovely little tonic to that, uh, those particular away days. But uh, what what are your first thoughts when we talk about those, Andre? Well, when, when I look at the two sets of games, I, I have to go back to, um, as you know, but but many listeners won't, I, I'm, uh, I'm on a management team um, for the Gibraltar um, Maccabi team going to Israel, which should be great fun. And I met up with them for a management meeting after the Newcastle game. And I was on such a high because it felt like all the sort of ills of recent years were starting to fade away. You know, the, the young team learning from our mistakes, patient when it's not going well and overcoming a, a you know, not a difficult opposition, but a deep block. Um, and what I was enjoying so much after that was that we had a consistent team selection. And, and if one player hadn't done it, it was OK. You know, it was it was just, you know, if, if it was Maitland-Niles or Lekonga or if party was out, you know, Maitland-Niles and Lekonga played. But the style and system kept the same. He kept faith with Tavares, for example, after after Anfield. And then he goes and chucks in Mohamed Elneny um, against Man U which I think, you know, I thought he was fine, but you just set, I don't know, I, I think you change everything. It's almost paradigm shifting from Arteta. And then I think he hits the panic button because of that and goes, right, Xhaka, Tierney, playing up the left wing, get Saka back in, even though it's probably too early. Um, I'm going to drop a Bamiyang because he hasn't scored, even though he's working hard and I'm praising him for working hard, but I'm going to drop him anyway. You know, it's just suddenly I just felt we hit the panic button. And I think it played out in how the team played, to be honest. And what we saw in those two games, we went from being having a clear way of playing. And yeah, not great, but doing the job to changing it and it not working. And the concerns we had about Arteta, I think, come out in the team selections for both games. And yeah, we can be capped in hindsight, but we are sitting here going, when you saw that team sheet for Man U, I don't think anyone went, good, he's gone El Elneny. And then when you saw Goodison, I don't think he went, good, he's starting Xhaka. You think Xhaka's back 30 minutes, please. Or, or yeah. 60 if you're desperate. And I just think he's hit the panic button. And those team selections for me were were bizarre. Yeah, like um, obviously when we went to Old Trafford, you, you, you had a, a slightly... Um, rushed journey to the stadium, um, shall we say, and you uh, <laughs> were very close to missing kickoff. Um, but I was in the ground quite early and I saw, obviously, the team come up and it was a shock to see Elneny purely because he's, he barely used him this season at all. So to throw him into yeah. a game like that it seemed really bizarre. And I'm with you. I think he did okay. Um, I think it was a very Mohamed Elneny performance, kept the ball, uh, moved it around, um, so it was, it was generally what you expect from him, but to just chuck him in to a game like that seemed really strange. Um, 
and also seemed odd to sort of lose faith with Lukonga going into those games as well, or maybe Niles, who obviously the last time he played was, a, was against Watford and he played very well in central midfield. Well, well, to be honest with you, just, just, just to mention on both those points, right? Ainsley McNiles was man of the match against Watford. All right, I know he might not have been Arteta's, but Sky gave him man of the match. Lukonga against Newcastle pulled the strings. What? And this is the thing that blows your mind. Why do you think he's then gone, no? I don't know. Um, the only thing I can think is that he wanted a bit of experience for two big away games, but I don't think Lukonga's done anything to show that he's going to be less of a... And in less of an impact than than say Jack or Elneny. The only thinking I can think is that Lukonga struggled at Anfield. He got overrun at Anfield. And the only that's the only thing I can think is that potentially that was in the back of Arteta's mind going into Man United. Um, but even so, the way that he showed faith with Tavares, um, he's it doesn't make any sense. There's so many mishappenings going on in this selection that it's just baffling, frustrating. Uh, aggravating, so many other words for ending in ing. Um, it's just Danny Ings. It's just, it's just. I don't know. I really don't know. But the Man United selection got me um, with with the inclusion of El Nene, and then going into Everton. Just whilst we're on the topic of selections. I'm with you. I phoned you before the game um, at Everton and said to you, um, I don't. He's only been back in training a few days, hasn't he? And he's been out for, for a fair amount of time. So it seems a very rushed decision. And I'm not saying that's that's the whole cause of the the performance and the defeat, but it certainly doesn't help the situation. And it just shows, again, that Arteta maybe has that over-reliance on certain players that maybe the period that Jacques has been out has shown that he doesn't need to have that over-reliance. Well, exactly. And again, I just go back to one of the things post Newcastle that I was happy about was that he'd gone with a selection that you went, OK, he stuck with. Um, the easy call after Newcastle was to drop Tavares, was to change things up after after Abbott, but he kept with um, the Conga, he kept with Tavares. And then he's wet his pants going to Man U. And I know what you just said about Laconga getting overrun at Anfield. He is not the first, not the last midfielder that will happen to at Anfield. You know, that is how they play. It's not how Man U play. No. And it goes back to what you said to me um, during the game at Old Trafford, that we were playing the badge, not the team. And 100%. It go, it, it, every time we go up there, we have the same issues. We play the badge. We don't play who is actually in front of us. And that was the, t the telling aspect of it because that game was there for the taking. We saw in the first 20 minutes where we, we completely overrun them. Um, we were passing them all over the place. We were playing well. And then as soon as we went 1-0 up, took a foot off the pedal, backed off, tried to, tried to defend the lead we had. And obviously that wasn't going to be sustainable. Um, infuriating. <laughs> It is, it is. And and talking of infuriating uh, against Man U, I have to say, so so something um, I think I said to you was that I, I'd never seen Ronaldo play before. <laughs> and uh, I remember I was, when I was in the cab rushing to the ground, I, I rang Kelly and um, I said, oh, she, you know, she went, oh, is this, are you going because you've never seen Ronaldo? And I said, well, it's not why I'm going, obviously, come on. Um, but I was that was something in the back of my mind that was like, do you know what? He's one of the greats of the game. 
I've seen Messi tear us apart a few times. But do you know what? Not only playing against Ronaldo, but beating Ronaldo and seeing him not score would be great. Maybe even a red card. Um, So for him to get the brace. But the reason I bring him up is because I haven't seen you get as angry about something as the Man U fans going, See! (laughs) (laughs) The reason for it. They're fucking grown men. They're fucking grown men that are jumping up and down and doing the Ronaldo celebration. Like, fine, celebrate a goal. Go mental. Let him do his stupid little thing. But the whole... Sue echoing around the stadium. I, I'm with you. I don't think anything this season has made me that angry. <laughs> no, it was fantastic. It was fantastic. And I think the other thing I enjoyed so much about all of that is that whenever he missed in the first half, that's all Arsenal fans were doing as well. And I remember <laughs> he miss hit he, he miss hit an overhead kick or something, and I was in the aisle going Sue. <laughs> So, so much happen. fun though. Like yeah. little things like that in football are absolutely tremendous. Um, <laughs> like I'm gonna go, I'm gonna jump back to the Everton game now because there was a couple of things in there that really made me laugh. Because Arsenal fans decided very early on that Jordan Pickford was going to be the number one enemy for the day, <laughs> and, <laughs> and every time Ramsdale got the ball, like he could have a, a, a pee roller at him, and it would be chance of England's number one or Aaron Ramsdale did 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 it, and it was relentless and in the second half when Jordan Pickford come up our end we berated him the whole game and obviously he had the last laughter unfortunately <laughs> but needless whole, to say needless to say I had the last laugh <laughs> but he came up and there were a chance of uh you just a shit Aaron Ramsdale which predictably happened but the one that really made me laugh was England's number two England, England number two <laughs> I love that. I love that. You could hear that on the TV. It was it was audible. It, it, it was really really good fun that bit. Um, again, another good away end though. Um, I I mean, I I think as as someone who's been to every every game this season, the the away ends have got better and better as the season's gone on. Um, and even with those two games being such poor results, what's been really really outstanding has been our support. And I think particularly when we were trying to leave Old Trafford and the players came over and applauded the fans and everyone that was trying to leave the the ground turned around and started chanting again. And I thought that was really, really nice um, and showed that the players appreciate it as well. Um, And that's been nice to be part of, despite having some very dodgy results over the the year. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do think that the fans have have really done well to stick behind everything. Um, and it's been great fun going again, you know. I have to say, I do feel as though we may be at a bit of a turning point now, but it can change really quickly. Because as I said, it was only the Newcastle game, which was only last Saturday, you know, that we were on a high and looking at top four and now we're going, oh, we're a, we're eighth place team. We're an eighth place team. Um, One of the things I I wanted to talk to you about was, firstly, I think what we saw, because I think Smith Rowe was probably not fit um, at Old Trafford, especially in the second half. And actually, um, the goal that puts them ahead um, for 2-1, it's a bit of an unusual touch from him. And Tavares absolutely wangs his way up the pitch. Um, and he's a bit naive as well, but... Wang's a great word, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
but I do think Smith Rowe looked tired, and actually, I think Tavares was well within his rights to expect someone as good as Smith Rowe to get that under his spell and pop yeah. it down the line. So, and it's the risk reward thing, right? That's why we love Tavares is he'll do that. And yeah, it's cost us, but in another game that puts us 2-1 up because he's barnstorming down the left. Um, And I think when Smith Rowe isn't on it, we are exactly what you saw against Everton. No creation, low threat, unlikely to beat a man, no fluidity in the middle and final thirds. And Smith Rowe is absolutely all of that. Now, look, I know there's, how have we got in that situation? But I, I looked at the Everton game and I went, no Smith Rowe is why we've seen what we've seen. Because I, I felt against Man U, we, it wasn't quite like that. And we, we played a bit of an occasion. Um, but I do think he is so, so important. But it, it, that's my view. If not him, I mean, why are we seeing such blunt um, blunt attacking play? We just do not look like we will score more than a goal a game. I, I think I'm in agreement with you about uh, Emil Smith Rowe, and I think he's he's absolutely crucial to what we do. And uh, like, my, I think the, as a key key point to that, when I was watching um, the Everton game the other night, we had so much possession, and it was so boring. It was just going mm. left and right, left and right, left and right. Oh, we'll go forward a bit. Now we'll go back again. Oh, let's give it to Ramsdale. Punt up forward. Oh, we've lost the ball again. And mm. it was it was such a common theme. Um, and I think when Smith throws in the side, that when the ball comes out to him, his first thought is, can I turn? Can I get me on a half turn? Can I move forward? And we don't have enough players that are willing to take those risks. Everything we do looks like a, a safe decision or a mm. really negative decision. Um, so that would be my first point. And I think as a polar opposite, obviously, we went to to Manchester for, for the game against, uh, against Man United. And then on the Saturday, we went and saw our friend Sammy. And whilst we were there, we were watching the Watford-Man City game. And we watched Man City, who could have been 5-0 up inside the first eight minutes. <coughs> and watching them, every single player takes, takes calculated risks. They move the ball forward and try to play forward at all times. And I'm not saying Arsenal are in the same realms to do that. But we don't we don't have enough players that are willing to put in those risky situations to try and re- reward us with with positive play, um, and I think that's that's a big factor in why we are not creating chances and why we are not creating um, goals. And I I just think the way Arteta coaches his side at the moment, whether it is down to personnel or whether it's down to him, I think it's a bit of a combination of both. He's not producing a team that is is likely to score that many goals. You look at a game against Newcastle and okay they are they they tried to frustrate us. They had that deep block which you mentioned earlier. But even that game we we got the goal and then we we didn't we didn't pile forward looking for the second really. Um obviously we got the second through Martinelli but it wasn't a a vintage display was it if if you know what I mean. Mm, no. No. So that would that would probably be my answer to that to that point. It's a, a bit of a long winded one. But... Yeah, well, look, I, I, I think most of what you said there's absolutely bang on. Um I, I think my only thing is I think I look at um Pierre Emerick Aubameyang has um Forgotten how to play football. Yeah, I I mean he he looks totally bereft of confidence. I a- think absolutely. he 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 looks like 
you know, I've got um in, in my back garden, I've got a little goal. And from time to time, I'll take a ball out there. And sometimes I'm on my own and I miss the goal. Right. And I don't really care because I'm not try- I'm trying something. And also it's a really small goal. And if I hit it too hard, it would break. Right. It's like a kid's goal. And sometimes I miss and I just find it the funniest thing. Um, but sometimes Kelly comes and joins me. And when I miss, I, I start getting on edge. Right. That I'm going to miss an open goal. And it's going to be really embarrassing. And I feel like as a professional footballer, Bamiyang is acting how I do in front of an open goal. I think he'd miss an open goal tomorrow. I, I yeah. honestly think I have never seen a striker who is in the right place. He's still getting in the right place. He looks like he will miss every shot he takes. Every single one. I have no faith in him. Both penalties this season he's missed. And he looks like he's going to miss them as well. He, I don't think he, we've got an attitude problem there. But the quality is out his game almost totally. Is it age? Is it confidence? Is it the way we play? It's probably a combination of all three. So we get Lacazette in there and fuck me. I mean, honestly, I've put on a bit of weight during that. That was tugboat Lacazette, wasn't it? No, it was more than he was. He was tugging a cruise liner like he was so <laughs> slow. Titanic Lacazette. <laughs> I saw something go around the other day. It was like, since Alex Lacazette joined, someone pointed out to me his name should be Alex Threat, and I can't stop thinking about it. And since oh, I've heard that, I can't <laughs> stop thinking about it. I really like Lacazette. When he was playing there with a Bamiyang, you could see how it would work. He cannot play striker on his own. He no, cannot he play striker on his own. And the thing is, is I'm honestly looking at that striker position. And look, I, I don't even want to talk about Eddie, to be honest. How he misses that, I'll never know. But at least he runs in behind and looks energetic. But you can't play Eddie and Ketia either. And just for me, a striker gives you hope. Uh, you know, when I looked at what Richarlison did for Everton, he gave them hope. You know, you felt as though... It, I mean, he literally had three shots. Two were offside. Um, one wasn't. He li- he didn't miss the target once. And yeah. when he went through from that really marginal offside on the second one he's ruled out, you didn't think he'd miss? And it, I was thinking about him, someone like him. I mean, he's, he's, he's cost Everton £50 million and he's clearly a good player. Whether he could make a step up, I don't know. But I looked at him and... I, I looked at what we had at the other end and Lacazette wouldn't have scored any of the goals he scored. No. Uh, he wouldn't be in position for the second one. He might, if he got in front of goal, finish it like that. But your number nine gives you hope and gives you everything and covers a lot of sins about how you play. And I think I look at that and I go, yeah, do you know what? There's rumours of players in the summer and I'm pretty sure we're going to sign a striker. But I'd almost break the bank for someone in January because we're getting nowhere fast without one. Yeah. Uh, I think a big factor with Aubameyang is that it, it is a confidence thing. But do you think do you think a factor with it might be that because he knows we don't create that many chances, that he's putting so much pressure on himself to take that one chance that his finishing is mm. just going completely out the window? I think that might be a bit of a factor. Um and I think psychologically, he's probably struggling with that a little bit. Because um, the more chances he misses, the more that's going to build up. But I don't know, yes. maybe I'm grasping at straws here. <laughs> well, no, I think that, but I think, I think it's more than one thing, Tom. I think, I think you're probably right. 
And I think as a consequence, he's lost confidence. I also think he doesn't look as quick. Yeah. And also, he is looking at it. And we're not a team that is set up to create 10 chances a game. We're just not. We're, we're, and this is, this is what I want to bring this on to, which is about the manager. Because he's been here, I think, nearly two years now. And I wasn't saying this two weeks ago, so it's lucky we weren't recording. I'll pretend I was and I'm a visionary. Um, but I just don't think he can coach an attacking team. And I don't think he can let a team attack. It's too too many different players have come in and too many same things have happened. You know, the team at Old Trafford is different from the team at Everton. Same behaviour, completely sat back after going ahead. We do not impose ourselves. And the difference is I actually think we've got good players now and could play in a way that would suggest we can attack. And I just I just look at this team and I think I look at the manager and I'd go, actually, in two years, I have not seen anything that makes me think we just need X, Y and Z. And I know what I'm saying about the striker, but not many other managers get a chance to have every single player in their team no. be theirs after two years and get away with it. There's an expectation you can get something out of the players you've got. And I think I think he can't coach an attack. He's, he might learn to do it, but I don't think he can learn. He should be given the opportunity to do it on Arsenal's time, is my, is my current view. Um, what do you I'm, think? I think I'm in agreement. Um, I just... I, we, he, he's someone that we've all been so looking for him to be the answer. And it's when you're as emotionally invested in anything, whether it's a football club or whether it's uh, another another interest, it's it's very difficult, I suppose, to be rational in your thinking. Mm. And I think I'm getting to the point where we've been through this cycle so many times with Arteta, where he's had a run of games. It's been quite good. We've seen the progress. We've sort of thought, oh, here we go. And then we've had a run of games where we've seen the, the mistakes come back in again. And then it, it goes in that vicious cycle where you change your mind left, right and centre. But I think I'm, I'm more coming around to the point that I just, I don't think he is, I don't think he's a long-term answer. Uh, I don't think he has the experience to build a side from scratch, essentially, which is what he's having to do at Arsenal. Um, and I don't think, like you say, he's got the know-how to build build a build an attack. I saw someone... Um, put a tweet out saying that Arteta is the sort of manager, is exactly the same manager as he was a player. And he was a very conservative player. Um, mm. And he did, he did things very, very conservatively. And I, I, I feel that's representative within his style of play as a manager as well. Um, so I don't, I don't know. Well, I, don't, I, I don't know what the solution is, but I, well, I, I, I think we're at a point now where you either have to make the call sooner rather than later or you have to back him up until the summer. And I think the latter will be the case. Um, but yeah, it's tough. I I agree. I agree on what you're saying. I think he will be afforded the opportunity, but I want to discuss that. But but I think the thing with Mikel Arteta, now I lived in Spain, as you know, and I played for Spanish managers. And I used to get, if you didn't do exactly what they said, you got dropped, right? Right. 
I played under yeah. three different Spanish managers and the same was true. And it was, it really was my way or the highway. And you literally sat on the bench. Like I remember once um, I was playing central defensive midfield and um, I beat a man to, to get out of possession to sort of, uh, and play it wide. It was a lovely bit of play, actually, if I don't say so myself. Um, he dropped me because I, I took a risk in the defensive third. Right. And I feel as though Nicola Pepe is currently getting that naughty step treatment. And what is madness to me is that Nuno Tavares is a chaos agent. Pepe isn't quite a chaos agent, but he's unpredictable and will lose it. But my God, get him in the final third and you've got half a chance. He has played five minutes in the last five league games. And that was the end of the victory against Leicester. He has not played since. It's mad. What? What? But what? Is it punishment? Is it? What? How the fuck can that be the view? Try him up front. I just, this is the part where you start. This is where I start to lose faith. I don't understand that. Help me understand it. I think I think a big problem is that Mikel Arteta has made it very clear from the start of his managerial uh, reign that any player that he doesn't, and this goes back to what you're saying about the potentially the Spanish approach, any player that doesn't do it the way that he likes, he'll just either cast aside, drop them like he has with Pepe, or he'll try and get them out of the club, which we've seen uh, a few examples um, during his reign. And I think that's... That's worrying from a managerial perspective because, like you say, very few managers are going to come in and have an opportunity to get a squad which is entirely theirs and move on from there. And mm. he's showing that he can't get these players into a system that works for him. And you can look at the previous regime uh, to an extent and you can question, obviously, the signing of Pepe. And certainly, you can question the price of, of Pepe. But it comes a point where you have to say you, you need to get him into your team to try and get something, to try and get some sort of goal output or some sort of return. And it is that risk factor that we mentioned earlier that we don't currently have. And he seems quite happy to have those those safety options. And I think that's why he probably prefers players like Bakayo Saka. And this is no, no discredit to Bakayo Saka because he's fantastic. But he is a lot more secure in possession than Nicola Pepe, and he's far less likely to take someone on in, in a potentially risky situation, um, which could result in us losing the ball. Um, so I think that's that's a factor. But honestly, I don't understand what's going on. I don't understand why Pepe's getting no time whatsoever. Um, I think he's the whole time Mikel Arteta was manager. I think his his days days are numbered. But it's a case of how do we get him out of the club if that's the case? Because I'm not, I'm not, I, I'm not seeing many potential suitors coming in for for Nicola Pepe. No, no, I, I don't. And look, I was just having a, a little look because um, I don't know if you've seen the statistics that we've only scored 18 goals in 15 games. Well, you look at some of the teams that have scored more than us; it's a joke. But it's not surprising. But I, I've no. just cracked open the the um... bubbly. <laughs> uh, a little bit of the bubbly. <laughs> Do you know who our top scorer in the league is? Is it Smith Rowe? 
Yes, Germany's got uh, four. He has five. Oh, it's five. I'm oh, sorry, I forgot the Man United goal. <laughs> uh, next is Pierre Emerick Aubameyang with four. Wow. Odegaard with three. Obviously, two in two for the Norwegian um, creator. Um, then it's Bakayo Saka with two. And then it's four players on one. Martinelli, Lacazette, Party, <clears throat> and uh, Gabriel Magalhaes. Um, so what's interesting to me about that is that we've only had, uh, how many is it? Eight different scorers. Um, you know, Martinelli and Part. sorry, uh, Gabriel and Party, both from corners. Um, even Lacazette was from a corner as well, actually. So little is coming from open play. It's quite farcical, really. Um, but I just look at that and I go, this is the least exciting team I think I've ever watched of Arsenal. And if you look at last season, we've actually got the same goal difference as we had this time last year. We've just scored uh, three fewer or scored three more, but conceded three more, I think is accurate. Um, but it's just there's no goals in the team. And that's not even without a striker. And I, I just don't really know. And I think you and I, if we did know, we'd go in and manage the team, how we're going to start to fix it. But we've got some we've got some games coming up, Tom. We've got some games. Um, we do indeed. We, and I really look at a block of three. I'm going to look at a block of three. Maybe we'll expand it to five. We've got Southampton at home Saturday. West Ham next Wednesday. And then away at Leeds. Uh, now, we're not going to win all three games. Sorry to surprise everyone. Um, no, we're not. Uh, what do you think we're actually going to get out of it? Uh, I think I think we'll beat Southampton. Um, I don't think it'll be convincing, even in the slightest. And I, I'll admit it, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we drew the game. But I, I think we'll get past just about Southampton. I cannot see where we're getting a win against West Ham. Because, I mean, that'd just be typical Arsenal to just put together a result there. Um, but I think if if you cannot lose to West Ham and not be sort of thrown further away from them, I think that would probably be a, a, a semi decent outcome for us. So let's say let's say draw that. And looking at our waveform, I don't trust us to go anywhere and win. Um, so I probably I, I I'd probably say we'd probably draw at Leeds as well. Um, and then that would give us five points. But I think one of those games we'll lose. Yeah. I don't know which one, because when you break them down individually, you look at it and you go, OK, draw there, win there, draw there. But realistically, I think one of them we lose. And mm -hmm. it wouldn't surprise me if it's the Leeds game away. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I um, See, I, I look at that. Well, let, let's take it a bit further, because we've then got, um, well, Sunderland in the Carabao. That should be fun. And then Norwich away and Wolves at home. Now, the thing is, is that what's quite incredible is they are all winnable games. I know what you're saying about West Ham. They're a bloody good team, but they aren't picking up more injuries than most. I mean, they are, they are, you can beat West Ham. We can beat West Ham. I don't think we will, by the way, but they're all winnable. Yeah. And I know we just won't, but my God, the mood can change quickly. You know, can change really quickly. We're turning that around. I just think what we've seen and what I believe is that we have, 
I I have actually I won't speak for anyone else I have lost faith in what we're doing and it's not because of the two results we've just had it's because of the way we play and the lack of goals and when I say lost faith what I've lost faith in is Arteta to be able to coach an attack because Everton is more so than Man U. Man U, look, in our lifetime, Tom, we will go to Man U and play the badge and not the team and lose countless more times. The Everton one, we attacked about five times and all five we created unbelievable chances. Yeah. They, it should have been knife through butter, but we just can't do it. And, and I, that is on the manager. That is on the manager. So I, I guess that's how I how I'm feeling right now, um, that we should really get 15 points minimum from the next five. Um, <laughs> but you know we won't. Yeah, this is, this no, is I'll take, the thing. Look, like, we'll get, but I'd take 10. I would take yeah. 10. Um, I, and I think that's realistic to keep us in the hunt for Europa and people need to stop talking about the top four. You know, do need Al- to stop talking about the top four. <laughs> and um, I'm looking at the FA Cup, City ground, fantastic. I'm looking at getting through Sunderland um, and looking at the Carabao Cup uh, in in a big way. I just wanted to get your thoughts really on the manager, whether you're you're feeling that way or just me. Oh, no, I am feeling that way. Absolutely. Um, It's just... My brother sent me a meme, right? And I think this will probably explain my feelings quite, quite well. So he sent me a meme this morning. And the meme is a picture of two uh, gentlemen, like cartoon gentlemen, on a bus. And on one side is a guy who's really, really happy uh, with the caption, me thinking about watching my football team. And then on the left-hand side is a guy who's depressed with his head against the window. And it says, me actually watching my football team. And I think that image in itself summarises how I feel about Arsenal at the moment because I'm so enthusiastic about any game that's coming up because I'm like, yeah, I'm going to the football. It's going to be great. We're going to do this. It's going to go and watch another game. Fantastic. And then when you're actually there watching it, you're just like, God, this football's diabolical. It's so so boring. Mm. And... I would just give anything just to have that excitement back. And it's been a number of years. Let's not beat around the bush here. It's been a number of years that we've been playing this 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 terrible football. Um, but it just it doesn't feel like it's getting anywhere better anytime soon. Because I just think the way that Arteta plays is not in keeping with maybe we, we hear about I'm going, to, I'm going to be one of those fans now because we hear about fans all the time that say, oh, this is like the, the West Ham way. This is how we play. This is this is the Man United way. We don't play like that. And I always think it's a load of bollocks because it's just like, well, you, you are playing like that, therefore it's your way. And this is very fast becoming the Arsenal way. And mm. it's not what we want. We want to go back to the days of having some entertainment, being excited by what we're seeing. And at the moment, we're not, we're not, we're not there and we're nowhere near there. So I want Arsenal to play, when I say the Arsenal way, I mean the way that Arsenal played in my youth. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But let me ask you this then. Do you think that that's why we are suggesting a certain Arsene may need to return to the club in some capacity? I, I, I think it is a case of people, I think people forget very, very, very quickly, both good things and bad things, because 
towards the end of Arsenal's reign, we played some. Okay, there were occasions when we played some lovely football, but the, it wasn't the free flowing attacking flair that we were used to in the earlier Arsenal days. Mm. And I think that's what people need to remember. This idea of bringing Arsenal back. One, it's not going to be to bring him back to to run the football team. Um, it's going to be presumably in some sort of advisory role or, or some sort of chairman role or something like that. If I, I, I don't know the ins and outs of it. I, I haven't read enough about it. But I would guess it would be something like that. And mm. oh, I think, I, th- I still think we need to move on from that because as much as I love Arsene Wenger and he'll always be one of my heroes, um, I think the club need to move on from that and find a direction that works without him but also by welcoming him back as like a, a guest to the club and making sure that he still has that connection with the football team. Because mm. at the moment, I don't. it doesn't sit right that he's not been back to the club since he left um, for something which is so integral to his life and him so integral to ours. It doesn't feel right that he's not at least a figurehead within the club that everyone goes, oh, Arsene Wenger, like he's always going to be synonymous with the club because he is. But at the moment, mm. he doesn't feel like it because of the fact that he's so absent from from everything within the club. So I don't think he needs to be involved in a decision-making process, but I do think he should be back in some capacity um, as, as a, a welcome guest to the Emirates, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose I'm a little bit more hopeful that we're going to leverage his availability to help Arteta out in getting some attacking momentum, if I'm totally honest. Um, I actually think they'd be quite a good duo. Um, but maybe you're probably more right than I am, and I'm being a, a fantasist, um, a frustrated fantasist who just wants to go and watch us. Do you know what I mean? I just would rather, because we actually don't even look good defensively at the minute. <laughs> no, we don't. We don't look good anything. <laughs> no, and it's like, it's the biggest myth going, I think, that he's improved us significantly defensively. Um, when you look at how easily Everton got through us, really, I mean, yeah, and yeah. you look at look at the Everton side as well, and they had no attacking output really at all, but besides Damari Gray and obviously Richarlison to an extent, but they're missing their main main centre forward, and in all their previous games in the last nine, they've looked absolutely incapable of doing anything. Yeah. And then turn up against Arsenal. Oh, this is an opportunity. And what what I said to my dad on the way home. So I, I, I rang him when I was on the motorway coming home. And I, I was meant to ring you as well. But by the time I was finished with my dad, it was probably too late. <laughs> but I um I was I was driving home from Everton and talking to my dad about it and saying that I keep saying before games or after games we should beat so and so because they're shit or. They were they they are a terrible team, and I said the same about Everton. And but then I said you have to get to a point where you go, we're not beating these teams because we are as shit. Mm. Like we we are in that bracket as well. And I'm sure teams that play us probably look at us and think they're not a good team. They're not a good no. team. And get we can get something from this. We can beat this lot. And that's the problem because we don't have that fear factor of a big club anymore. We have that. We we are. A big club by name and by stature, but in terms of our performances on the pitch, we're not backing that up. And I think they're always uh, teams are going to come and think they can get something from us all the time. Well, because well, they will, they will. Yeah. And, and and I think just to just to you know, my sort of closing sentiments on the Everton game and and the whole thing is that we should be the perfect team that just need to get ahead. 
We just need to yeah. get ahead and we keep getting ahead. And this is what's bizarre to me is that when I think about how we're trying to play, surely the first goal is everything, right? We've gone 1-0 up in the last two games and it, it it's killed us twice. And it should be the opposite. It should be the absolute opposite. You know, against Everton, surely when we were one up and they were starting to throw things forward, we should have just been ready for that. Pop, 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 through on goal. Do you know, I, I just, I don't get it. We go one nil up and we collapse. I've, I, I, it's the worst it's ever, it's ever been in my, my estimation for that. Yeah, uh, agreed. And uh, I think that's a, <laughs> a very sombre but realistic note to... Uh bring the podcast to a close. <laughs> <laughs> were there any Unless new chance? anything else you want to talk about. No, um, were there any new chance at Everton? Um, there weren't, no. There were the, just, the, just the usual ones. And obviously, we had uh, Saka and Emil Smith-Rowe going off every 30 seconds, which seems to be the way at the moment, and I love it. Um, <laughs> Was anyone referred to, what we, you know, Arsenal boys are on a bender. Was anyone... You know, they they were Robbie or Cristiano, not Cristiano. And <laughs> what, I will, what I will say about that is that I I I'm, I hate Arsenal fan TV. I think it's it's terrible what it's become and what how it's become another thing to to be so divisive amongst Arsenal supporters. But that mm. is uh, that chant is where I kind of draw the line because if part, if fans want to sing Arsenal fan TV, get out of our club. Well, no problem with that. But mm. it's the people that are singing um, that song about um, a guy. And it, it's just, it, I don't think it's right at all. I think it's really out of order. Um, and obviously the Cristiano one was a bit of a laugh. But I think with this is this is an individual who is a businessman, let's be honest. He, that's all he is. He's a businessman. Mm. He's far more of a businessman than he is a supporter, um, whatever way he wants to paint it. But at the same time, he's not what he's been depicted as in that song. And I think that's uh, that's where that needs to be uh, a line drawn. So that's something I, I don't personally sing because I think yeah. it is out of order. Uh, fair enough, fair enough. It is catchy. Um, and I think that's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> We've got, we got to find something else to fit into it. So that it, We do. Well, Cristiano was a good, you know, a good... A good, a, a um, good. <laughs> you know conduit um anyway yeah well love loving the smith row chant bit upset the tommy asu drinks sushi drinks asaki head's fucking massive hasn't taken off in the way i, I had hoped we had a lot um, of um super tom at uh at everton and every t- every time we got sung i was just shaking my head so ah, it's not that's not the song it's not his song <laughs> it's not the song um i think we need we need to try and get some songs for some of the other players that are as catchy as the Emil Smith Rowe one because obviously we've got Ben White we've got Gabrielle who haven't really got songs made about them and I think that's something we need to uh, we need to work on so maybe maybe we can do another podcast before Christmas where we can uh, propose some of our um, our own chants. Mm. I've got one actually I've got I've got one that might work. You okay. know um, you know the uh, song Turning Japanese. No, you oh, you would know it. Hang on, let me just do a quick. Who's it by? Uh, that's a great question. If you tell, if you search for it, 
The Vapors? The Vapors, that's them, yeah. All right, I'm really sorry if this blasts through your head. I'm just going to play it now. Bloody hell. This is electric podcasting. (laughs) It really is. Well, I'm listening to it. Okay. (laughs) So therefore the audience are. Declan, this is what you wanted. (laughs) Uh, Put it in the show notes. (laughs) Okay. All right, I'm about 45 seconds in. Have you got to like the chorus yet? It's just coming up. This is this is it's scintillating listening. <laughs> okay. Okay, I think I've had the I've had the chorus. Go on. Is it the bit that says turning Japanese? I think I'm turning Japanese. I think I want to or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You could easily have a Tommy Assey one there. <laughs> Turning Japanese, I think I'm turning Japanese. It's Tommy Yasu. <laughs> I, I will tell you this now: if you can get that going at any ground, I will give you one hundred pounds on the spot. One hundred pounds on the spot. So challenge accepted because our next away day is Leeds, and you're going to be with me. <laughs> I, I will eat my hat if you can get. Turning Japanese, turning Japanese. It's Tomiyasu in that tune. Uh, going, I will, I will happily, happily give you one hundred pounds. Challenge accepted. <laughs> <laughs> and on oh, it's, it's, it's time to bring the podcast to a close. <laughs> um, thank you very much for listening to the podcast. Um, we'll try and squeeze another one in just before Christmas, so we can have our little pre-Christmas celebration of the Boys in Red and White podcast. Um, but thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to see what we're up to on social media, it's been a little bit sparse recently. I know Andre's put a few things on Twitter, um, but you can find us on social media platforms by searching for the Boys in Red and White. And all that leads me to is to say thank you for your time, Andre. It's been obviously, it's been a few days since I've seen you in person. So it's uh, been nice to catch up. And you, my friend. Great fun. Okay. Okay, take care and we will be back with another podcast, hopefully just before Christmas. Thank you and goodbye.